0: Hi, I'm Pastor Stefan Margison. This is the sermon podcast for Aldersgate Worship Service of Front Street United Methodist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. Come and join us each Sunday morning in person at 8.45 a.m. in the Aldersgate gym. God be with you. Good morning again. I'm glad to be in worship with you. Before I talk too much, uh, it's important that we start this moment with a word of prayer, so let us bow our heads. Good and gracious God, I pray that the words in my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you and let us go forth from this space proclaiming, crying out, shouting out even that Christ is risen so that all will hear, no one will be able to d- deny and, and even more so the rest of your word becomes more alivened to each person that begins in this place of understanding this truth. Holy God, we pray this in your name, and all God's people said, amen. Well, so there I was on the side of a road. Uh, My car had gotten a flat tire. I was about two hours away from my house, which meant that I was probably three hours away from my dad getting to me, and seven or eight hours from a tow truck being able to get there, right? And I looked around to see what things I had to maybe try and rectify this moment. And as I got to the back, I opened up the trunk and, and I had a little box of storage things that my, my parents had put together for me, a roadside emergency kit. And I, as I looked inside, I saw a tire patch kit. I found it. I kind of had forgotten it was there. Honestly, I remembered maybe years ago, before this moment, my dad had taken me outside and he had gotten a flat tire right outside and took it as a learning opportunity, right? To show me how to change a tire and to patch, if you needed to, on the side of the road, a hole that you might have. And of course, in that moment, I thought as my dad was pulling me away from the video games or the TV that I might have been watching that, no, there's no reason that I'm going to need this, right? I'm not going to go that far away. If I get stuck on the side of the road, I'll just call you or AAA. Uh, I, I've got a plenty, plenty of reasons that I really don't need to know this information, how to patch a tire. Why would I need to do that? But here I am. In that moment on the side of the road with nothing left but myself and this small kit in front of me and I got to work. And as I worked I began to see that that small lesson that my father had given me was starting to pay off a little bit. I began to understand what he was talking about of being ready in these moments and and having those tools ready prepared for me. And the, uh, the lesson that he had given me somehow stuck. I, I knew what I was doing, at least in a small sense, and of course it helps that there's instructions on the back. And I, sh- I successfully did it. I, I, I patched that tire and I put it back onto the car I made sure all the lug nuts were as tight as they needed to be, not too tight, but just enough to get me back before I could get the car checked out the next day. I made it. Now, how long do you think it took me before I told my dad that story? I don't want him thinking that he was right no of course not why would i do that but as some days went by i did finally let him know what i had done and by his gracious wonderful lesson i was able to get back on the road and make it to safety man but something changed that moment for me as i began to ponder that lesson that my dad had given me of changing a tire as I realized that he was right in that moment, I thought back about maybe some of the other lessons that he had given me that I had also thrown off to the wayside, put in the back of my head, not worrying about what they actually meant to me in my life. I just left him alone. But this time, because that moment came about where I was actually, I was able to, to take what he had taught me and, and turn it into something useful, and, and he was right Well, then it began to dawn on me, well, maybe some of the other things that he told me were kind of right, too. Again, still days after before I told him any of this, maybe weeks, maybe years, maybe I should call him. But in these things, I finally realized that my dad was teaching me things that were useful to me. He wasn't just rattling off things that he, he wanted to tell me in the moment. He wasn't just bored and trying to uh, get an, an excuse to hang out with me. He was actually trying to give me things that would be useful for me going forward. In that moment, as I realized the truth behind that one lesson, I began to open up more and more about the other lessons that he had given me that was a beautiful thing. We'll come back to that. But there's a story in Scripture that's just one of my favorites, and it's not quite an Easter story until you really think about what's happening in the moment. It comes from Acts chapter 10. Peter, this is well after Christ has been raised from the dead and even ascended back into heaven, and the disciples are left to go on their own, spreading the good news to all the corners of the earth, as Jesus has instructed them. And so Peter and his caravan of people that are going around and preaching the good news to all that will listen, well, they're on this road for a while and they decide to take a break. And as they take a break, Peter finds an old house and goes up and lays down on the roof of the house to take a nap. And as he's asleep, it seems as though he has a vision or a dream. It seems like he's in the same place in his dream or his vision on top of this roof And a a figure, a, a thing, an item, comes down from the skies, the heavens above him. It's a blanket that is put down in front of him with all sorts of foods. Now, it wasn't food that he would have normally been used to. These foods that were presented to him would not have been kosher, would not have been acceptable to his Jewish faith. But they were presented to him because he was hungry, He was hungry, and a voice came and said, Peter, eat. Now in this moment, Peter looks up at this voice that is gifted in this food from above and says, I'm not going to eat that. That is unclean food. It would make me unclean if I ate it. No, no thank you. No thank you. Some strange audacity there to say to this voice coming from above to eat when presented with this gift, and then to say no. No. But again, the voice comes from above and says, Peter eats. Nothing that I have made clean can be unclean. Nothing that I have made clean can be unclean. And so this idea, this vision, this dream ruminates around in Peter's head for a couple of days, and and then as time goes on, he gets word that a man named Cornelius is calling Peter and his caravan to come and preach the gospel message to his people. Now, these were not Jewish people, these were Gentiles, very much so. And so the first idea that Peter had is, I'm not sure that I should go there. Those people are not one of us. Those people are not of the diaspora. I don't know that it would be good for me to go to these people. But Cornelius and Cornelius' servant was insistent, Peter, will you please come and preach the good news to my people? And so Peter does. He goes and and he preaches for some time to these people, Cornelius and all of the followers. And after some time in talking with Cornelius, he has this moment of realization. He realizes that dream for him a little while ago was not just for that moment of of clean or unclean food in front of him, but it was a, a reminder, a reminder of something from old, from his past. This story that we have in Scripture today from John This is Peter's moment where he finally realizes the truth of what Jesus has been talking about for weeks, months, even the past couple of years. Now all through John and the other Gospels, you will see Jesus calling out to his disciples saying, there is going to be a day where I will not be with you. Sometimes in some of the Gospels, he's so straightforward to say, I am going to be arrested, I am going to die, I am going to be buried, but then I will rise again. He says that so directly to the disciples over and over and over again, but they almost never get it. Very few times do we see where the disciples or people around, they understand what Jesus is saying, they believe it, but they almost never do. And Peter is definitely one of those deniers. Jesus, you you couldn't possibly die and, and then be raised again? We don't know what you're talking about. But in this moment in John, we see Peter as he leans over and looks into that tomb, the tomb where he knew Jesus' body was, he looked in there and saw nothing. But it wasn't nothing, really, was it? When Peter looked in, he didn't see an empty tomb. He didn't see an empty space. He saw a fullness of something. He saw a completeness of something. He saw that tomb, that empty grave in front of him as the completeness, the fullness of what Jesus had been talking about all this time. He understood, he grasped, he intellectually and with his spirit and with his heart got it finally right there that Jesus was telling the truth. In this moment, this hinging moment of Jesus' ministry of being raised from the dead, Peter finally understood. And so as Peter in Acts 10 is listening to that word of God again of of all things that are made clean cannot be made unclean. he, He thinks back about the other lessons that Jesus had been telling him that whole time. Because this one truth, this grand truth of Jesus being raised from the dead was true, then what else must be true for Peter? And for this, it was that Jesus had come not just for the Jews, not just for the chosen people of the Old Testament, the Israelites, those that were scattered about, but Jesus had come for all people, for the salvation of every single person person. Jesus had been saying that to them time and time again and yet the disciples step in and say, hold on little children, wait you Pharisees, you that are casting out demons in Jesus's name but not following us, how could you be a part? And Jesus time and time again tells him that we are for the salvation of everyone. That is what my mission is, that is what you are called to share. And so as Peter finally gets that piece of crucial information, believes it that Jesus is raised from the dead and opens up the idea that other things that Jesus has said might be true too, well, that changes his ideas about Cornelius and those that have gathered. And then it moves into a wonderful moment of not just preaching and teaching, but sharing life together and baptizing so many into the faith, bringing so many that were so far outside of that fold before fully included on the inside. What a beautiful picture. And if you begin to follow that trail of how the Easter story sparks that transition for Peter into those moments, then this story from Acts 10 becomes a bit of an Easter story too. Because the truth of today is pivotal for everything else. It's the grandest and the most uh, difficult to understand, isn't it, that a person would die and then rise again, once dead and yet now alive? How can we understand that? But if we do, if we believe that, if we hold that as true, then we have to begin to look at the other things that Jesus says. So I ask you, why are you here this morning? Why are you here today, Easter Sunday? Does it have anything to do with the culture? This is the time where we would gather around and take wonderful pictures and hunt Easter eggs and and maybe put flowers out for so many to see. Is it the social aspect of it? Or is it the truth that Jesus Christ is alive That God raised him from the dead, that God raised Christ from the grave, is living again, is alive all around us, is alive in your lives and mine and the lives of the people that we meet on the streets and the coffee shops and the grocery stores. Christ is alive and present and working in all of these spaces. If that's the truth of why you are here this morning, then I can't imagine you would want to go anywhere else but to scripture every morning, to church every Sunday morning, to prayer as often as you can, to hear more about what Jesus says, to hear more about the promises that God makes in your lives, to hear and understand that those are full and real and exciting and offered to you each and every day. If that truth from this morning that Christ is risen is believable and real and part of who you are, then everything else should be after. As we go through the scriptures and the promises that open up for you, the truth that continues to be revealed is that you are more precious than the sparrows and the grass of the field, that God is taking care of you each and every day. If the truth is that Christ is risen, then that means that you, as you serve the people of God, as you look out for the lowliest, the meek, the humble, that you are serving the face of Christ in that moment, that is real If you are believing and understanding that Christ is risen, then that means as you go out and tell this gospel message that Christ is doing something transformative in those people's lives as well as in yourselves. If Christ is risen and that is true, that means that the promises of Jesus sending the Holy Spirit to be a partner with you in this ministry is real and effective. If this is true today, that Christ is risen, then that can only mean that everything else is too. Everything else is powerful for who you are and for the work that you do. Every promise of love and care is for you. Every hope for your future, every goal that Christ has set for you, every time that you are met with grace upon grace, that is real. That is the truth this morning, and if that truth is true, And so is everything else. So is everything else. So hold that. Let that be your your pivot, your core, your center. So that as you go into scripture and as you come back and hear the word next Sunday and the next Sunday, that every moment you hear a word from Jesus, it is more real than ever before.